Episode 48 of Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to have a fascinating conversation. What about, John? We're going to talk about, this is, a, I guess this might be the first one that I've actually led, which is weird in a year. I, I'm sure that's not, I'm no, sure that's not, not the, the first case. one, but it is rarer. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to talk about this uh, principle of that it, that we can guarantee you've heard that uh, the plans of God are better than your plans. Mm. and um, But really the extension of that to all spheres of your life, not just your dreams and aspirations or uh, your career, um, but really even to the, to the point of um, prayers over the sick and, and life and death scenarios. And, and this clicked for me on a, on a message this Sunday, uh, uh, today when we're recording. And, uh, and we're going to break that down a bit. Okay, and and already, I know this is sideways energy here right off the bat, but when you say God's plans are better than your plans, depends on better for who. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. And really so, that's the that's the crux of it is yeah. is who whose scale you're using, yeah. really. Or, yeah. So this will be a great conversation. But before that, it's joke and or story time. And John, do you have a story for us? I do have a story. So it's uh tied to this. Um, believe it or not, I haven't always had this uh, enlightened taste in movies and and, and, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and poetry and, and the like. I took uh, in one semester. I took a faith in film course, and I honestly forget what the other one was called because the other teacher, who was a film critic for Christianity Today, he oh. was he was an adjunct professor at Northwest for yeah. at the time. Yeah, he whatever the class was called turned it into a faith and film course. So I took two faith and film courses oh. in the same semester because he was a film guy and a Christian. Yeah, it's kind of like watching movies with that uh, British actor in who has like nine movies. It's the same story, nine different ways. Uh Oh, Hugh Grant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Every Hugh Grant movie is the is, same. Is, or he's at least the same exact guy in every yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. A little bit like that. So uh, anyway, the, the one with the Christianity today guy was uh, once a week. It was a night class. So uh, once a week, I had two faith and film courses in the same day, and we watched all kinds of stuff I wouldn't watch. That's why I watched um, The Tree of Life, which, mm. thank goodness, I love that movie. People keep talking about it. Just the other day, it came up as one of the highest-rated movies of all time. It's really divisive, though, because a lot of critics think it's just garbage. I have not seen it. Yeah, well, I don't know how you would take it. Mm. But anyway, the point is, we watched a lot of it. We watched uh, Gravity. Uh, we watched um, a bunch of movies, you know, more more popular ones even. We watched um, The Seventh Seal, you know. Anyway, one of these that we watched was Joan of Arc, and it's this uh, um, black and white silent movie from the, man, I want to say like the 20s or the 30s. Wow, silent movie. So the words are at the bottom? Uh, I think it either is or either at the bottom or it does the pause, you know, yeah. in like the beginning oh, of right, Three right. Amigos, and it goes screen. to like the yeah. title card, yeah. yeah. And, um, and it was made... And came out and not a lot of fanfare. And then someone found this thing and like, I want to say, I'm probably butchering the story, but in like the 70s, they found these reels of Joan of Arc and they and they played it. And since then, it's become one of the, it's it's rated as one of the greatest performances of an actor of all time. What? Is this woman who plays Joan of Arc. Wow. Who, this was one of her only film appearances. And most of the movie is really, really intimate, close up uh, headshots mm. of people. 
so it's it's um it's the trial of Joan of Arc and 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 so a lot of it is just zoomed up on her face and that's why it's this this um this piece of acting yeah uh, because it's all reliant and she can't speak you know it's a, it's a silent movie so it's it's all just facial expression. well i'm sure she's speaking she's, i'm sure in the recording yeah, but she's but doing you, it you don't get that whole yeah, realm of her any performance sound. it's right. just her face and uh anyway really really powerful powerful movie um because you know joan of arc is one of the one of the great martyrs of our of our faith and so uh our teacher uh, uh was telling us you know about times he had shown this in the past and one of the other courses for this, he told the story of this uh, girl who, at the end of the movie, because we, we had to watch it in chunks, being, you know, only an hour or so uh, of a class, who, um, this student who was uh, just, like, crying at the end of the movie, and he uh, uh, talked to her about it, and she said, um, I never thought about um, having to die for my faith. And this idea of martyrdom through this movie, really, really a, a good example of the power of of art and, and, and Christian art. Um, is this movie conveyed to her what that actually mm. the reality of that of people who have died for their faith and and the making it personal because of how intimate that movie is and uh, and it just you know kind of wow. rocked her world that to think about actually forfeiting your life for the for the kingdom and uh, and really really great and I think uh, one of the reasons this story came to mind is I as one I I remember those classes fondly the 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 night class one was a lot more was a lot less. Uh, a lot more jovial than that one. <laughs> right, we, right. We talked a lot about just our own um, favorite movies and stuff, and um, but that this um, this elevation of the of of the stakes. The um, you know we talk about uh, consumer Christianity and Christianity mm-hmm. versus discipleship. Right. And because we are so insulated in in kind of a, a safe um, bubble fl- bubble yeah. exactly, um, the stakes are low, mm-hmm. and and you know you don't have to bet a lot on your faith aside maybe embarrassment or ostracism but not to the not to these levels Hmm. and so the idea of um, viewing these things through the lenses of the the utmost stakes i think i can't think of another word for it but the utmost um consequences and cost you know the risk or risk reward yeah yeah and so you said this thing on sunday uh and it was um that uh Viewing the priorities of the camp, looking at, at the big story of life as was the little story of life of of individual humans on the earth and the big story of God. Yeah, the 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 story arc of God's cosmic story, right? And then the playing out of our daily story and as the lower story of life. So the upper story and the lower story, and yeah. yeah. And so uh, I had had this thought because you know I have dreams. Everybody has dreams, mm-hmm. and the thought that uh, and and. Many people have said this where, uh, well, you had those dreams and God shaped you and gave you your talents. Maybe put those dreams in your heart and you should pursue those and have a kind of hope or expectancy for those. And um, and that has its own problems with the fact that not every 12-year-old grows up to be an NBA player, even when they, they think maybe God's calling to be an NBA player. Right. And so... Uh, uh, but so that, that broke the, the formula you were saying because you're saying God put these talents in you and he put these desires in you and he put mm-hmm. these passions in you. So in that case of the 12-year-old kid who wants to play in the NBA, God did not put the talent in there. Right. That's true. So there was part of the equation <laughs> missing. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but anyway, and, and I was thinking of it in this kind of um, this kind of commercial Western American sense where my career aspirations were put there. I probably should pursue those and get those and and have what I want and let God give me what I want. And that's kind of, I didn't think of it that way at the time, but that's really how it kind of broke down. Sure. And uh, do you remember you, you told me um, when when thinking of the things of the kingdom, 
uh, to not just view about look at them in, in, in the lens of your culture. Do you remember that? Yeah. If, if something, the rule of thumb is that if something's not true in every context in the world, then it's not true. Yeah. And so in a, in, a in, in, in terms of an eternal truth, a God truth. Right. Of course. Yeah. If it doesn't play the same everywhere. Yeah. So, so if I was born in, um, a impoverished family in the lowest caste in, you know, in an Indian culture somewhere right. around, you know, Delhi or, uh, this, wouldn't be the same because I, I simply wouldn't. The prosperity have gospel sounds different exactly. there than it does here. Exactly, yeah. where you have um, spiritual freedom in a in an inescapable flesh reality, maybe, mm-hmm. as, as opposed to a a um, working that out in your actual flesh life. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and then so on Sunday you said that, uh, um, or honestly, I don't actually remember exactly what you said. I remember what clicked for me was uh, that to the extent of even praying for someone's healing or praying for someone to make it through, you know, uh, an illness or to save their life, mm-hmm. um, that you forfeit your wants. And that, that's something that seems as simple as that as, well, of course a good God would save my child's life. Um, that really to forfeit your understanding of the world to the extent that you, you understand that, um, that the death of, this person or the, or the, the non answering of your prayer can further the kingdom more than you ever imagined. And, and the holding on to that, the tightest of all, that was the big, uh, aha. And I have a lot of these. So, so hopefully I remember this in, in a few weeks. Cause normally, you know, I kind of, I kind of burn through them, but I want to hold on to this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the power of journaling. I would, you know, you journal some, and I think that's <clears throat> really an important habit because you can go back and even if you forget this, you can relive the moment again later as you read it. Mm-hmm. I think in the message that day, I was talking about um, Jesus, you know, uh, God, we not, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Mm-hmm. And that's a quote from Deuteronomy 8, 3. And there God is saying, um, hey, uh, you were hungry and I made bread show up on the ground. You were thirsty and I brought water out of a rock. You were uh, hungry for meat, and I brought these quail in from all over the world right. to one spot to feed three million people meat. Um, your shoes didn't wear out. Your clothes didn't wear out. So what his promise is, what Jesus is saying there is, hey, I'm starving, and I need some bread. But man doesn't live by having this need met alone, mm-hmm. but by the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, because that word is even bigger than exactly my immediate need for bread. Right. So even in these... Uh, um scenarios you you are limiting the world when you think of or limiting really the truth when you think of just um i need this and even when it is a benign thing it's not even you being selfish and wanting a yacht you know right 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 yeah wanting somebody to not die is is not a benign thing it's a good thing right and yet it is um you can become so focused on this part of the thing that you're not seeing the broader context around it or what God might be up to in his cosmic story. Mm-hmm. And so like a little toddler, you're going to get on the ground, kick and scream because you didn't get your thing. Yeah. And you know, we just had a season here where my grandson was here. He's two years old <laughs> and he threw lots of tantrums and tantrums that to him are the end of the world. And yet, because I know the upper story of what was going on while he's here, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. It's a little toy, you know, Hey, relax. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. And, and in the context of people, uh, having, you know, falling outs with God or, or frustrations, um, and it's that, uh, you, um, that, that if what you want isn't, um, 
is is the best for you or or is limited by the earthly scope then yeah you're going to get frustrated mm-hmm. because that's not you know like like we say god isn't just the the genie in the bottle yeah uh, and and so if what you want is the things of the kingdom then that frustration I'm sure will still happen. You're still, you know, you're on a different physical plane than God is. You can't see everything he's doing, but, but not to the same extent. Right. So I'm fishing for John, kind of a summary statement of what your aha actually was that you stop, um, having laser focus on the lower story or that truly to trust God means to take your hands off the lower. What, what exactly was your aha? The aha was, um, I'm thinking of uh, basically like uh, like the atmosphere and and because, you know I wasn't paying that close attention when they told us the layers of the atmosphere. I can't name them all to you, sure, me but really just the spheres and and um, and believing God and to the to the end of all those spheres. And I think part of it is that we don't often think. I don't. Know, I'll, I'll just I'll speak for myself because just it's easier that way. I know. Um, uh, I don't think a lot in life and death terms because there's not a whole lot of death around me. We don't live in a death culture or we do do in the spiritual sense. We don't see a lot of death. We don't kill our food. We don't, you know, most of us aren't going to go. It's not, it's not the golden generation who 80% of those young men were in the army. And even if they didn't see combat, there was a huge percentage of them who did. We, we live in a culture that is far removed from actual, Mm -hmm. from seeing actual death. Um, And yet we're overstimulated with it, but that's its own kind of thing. So so thinking of it to the extent of I trust God to the end of the line. And and that was the martyrdom mm. connection was that to think that a, a girl who and and same with me, you know, could go through growing up in the church all this time and then see a movie at the age of how old she was, 18 to, you know, 22 or thereabouts and finally have it click that that this whole thing could cost you your life and it would be worth it. That to think of it to that extent. And you think she was having that aha too that it would be worth it to her. I I hope so. That's the truth. So there's the big, there's the big man. That's the big step forward is that I trust the overarching story of God so much Mm -hmm. that to be true to that and to trust him to the end is worth whatever loss I might experience that I don't understand. Cause really it comes down to, I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, if I have a loss that I can understand, if I see God take wealth from me and distribute it to people who would die without it sure then i can rationalize that but if i don't see the connection then Mm -hmm. i'm left to with nothing but blind trust right yeah and what i one of the things i realized as i was actually talking was um is i have a hard time um hoping for the non-guarantees so so the things the the really really um the hard truths with no exceptions those are easy for me in the in the bible give me an example of that what do you mean uh that uh um, if you, you know, claim the sacrifice of Jesus, you, you, um, uh, kill the flesh, um, pick up your cross and follow him that you will enter eternal life. That kind of thing. That's a promise. The promise of eternal life is not hard for you to get your arm around. No, no, because okay. there, that is without exception. There's not a, a, you know, and anyway, so it's uh, not nuanced. Exactly. You As believe a, and right, you are saved. Right. And some people would say there is nuance there where, you know, the, I, uh, cast out demons in your name, I prophesied and he said, I don't not exactly where we're going now, but as opposed to, um, uh, you know, people who are blessed with earthly things by God, you know, like, like Jesus, he doesn't ever that I know of in the written gospels. He's never asked to heal or perform a miracle and not do it. There's no one who says, heal me. And he says, no. Mm. Uh, and so that contradicts 
what I see here on earth. That contradicts people who pray and receive a no, you know, or receive a non-answer. Hmm. That is the nuance. That is the, I have a hard time hoping right. for the healings because of that nuance. Now there are scenes just to just, I, I feel compelled to mention this. Sure. When you go to the pool of Bethesda, I don't remember where this is at in the new Testament and the gospels, but mm-hmm. Jesus goes there and there's a man waiting for this pool to be disturbed. The, 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 the belief was that, Angels would come and stir the waters, and when those waters were stirred, the first paralytics or debilitated people in the water would be healed. Mm-hmm. And Jesus asked him, "What do you want?" And he said, "Well, I want to get in the water, but people always beat me in there because I'm um, so paralyzed." Mm-hmm. And um, it occurs to me, you know, that that spot has disabled people all around it, right? And he heals one of them. Yeah. So I don't know if the other ones are shouting at him heal me or not, but he only healed one of them. Well, that's possible, but you get to these points in the gospels. That's almost like a montage. They kind of time skip and they say, and all these people came to Jesus and he, and he healed all the ass. Right. You know, right. And, and it's just kind of bam, bam, bam. Yeah. And so, but, but you're right. There's, there very well could, he was, he did his ministry for three years. There could have been, you know, yeah, who knows? Um, and so, uh, what I, what I realize is I don't want this to be an out for me to, to not hope for things that aren't a guarantee from God that when I'm praying to, to not, to really to, to forfeit the responsibility on me to pray. So when I when someone is sick and I do want them healed and I cry out to God, I don't want this to hurt my faith to the point where I think, well, he might not and that's okay. Oh, I or see. it might not be worth it because he's going to do what he's going to do and that's okay. So this overarching trust, you want to have overarching trust, but you don't want to let yourself off the hook for praying for, and asking. And having expectancy and, and, and the faith, which is a, a huge, huge challenge for me for those nuanced hmm. um, things. And that's kind of where I, where I find myself in that um, contention. I see. So um, I'm trying to translate this. I, all I can think is truly you have a dizzying intellect. <laughs> Wait till I get going. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you are you are talking at the pace that your brain has been processing this. And mm. I'm trying to catch up. Okay. Sorry. So, no, it's great. I, I love doing the mind dump you just did on all these thoughts and how they all connected for you. In that moment, I love it when that happens. It's like pow, 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 for sure, pow, 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 and all of a sudden, these these uh, isolated little pieces all line up, and you go, "What?" It's very fun. It's like watching a Who Done It and trying to figure out, yeah, you know, something like that. Another little fun aha I had was that Jesus quotes scripture a lot, and that scripture was God through man writing. So those people, you know, six hundred years ago, their writing is quoted by their Messiah way later that a lot of them predicted because he quotes Isaiah a lot. Right. That's crazy to me. Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy that yeah. the interaction of, of, of man in God's story that he invites into that and that hit the him later incarnate quotes the writing that he, pre- that he inspired. Right. Yeah. Really cool. And yeah. the same thing with him coming through Mary, coming through his creation into his creation. Somebody on our Facebook live today, broadcasting the gathering said the word quotes the word. That's right. pretty cool. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> that's, that's a way better way to say yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Okay, so, so uh, yeah, ask me any questions if you need. Yeah, so I'm but, trying to get I'm trying to get my arms down to how this confronts you. So mm-hmm. you're inspired to trust even beyond what you can see, mm-hmm. and to limit your ask, um, not limit your ask. No, not limit your ask. Um, but uh, open handed your ask mm-hmm. because you know that God might have a bigger plan, and you're open to that. Yeah, so I guess what it was is, because I used to talk a lot about zooming out. That's how I always phrased it, mm-hmm. is looking at the bigger picture to zoom out and and, and see things as, as best as you can to how they really are in the in the, the scope of God. 
obviously impossible to to get the whole thing, but you know to remember that it's that things are, are bigger than you. Uh, there's a quote I saw. Just the the point of perspective. A quote I saw that was basically, um, if you only focus on your pain, you limit um, your view of the goodness of God. Where mm-hmm. if you focus on the goodness of God, it actually limits your pain. And mm-hmm. and and just the idea of perspective. Well, now the way you mentioned this to me, mm-hmm. see if this. I don't. I want to cut off your thought, but I I think I think this is going to help um, help you help me. Uh, when we were discussing this, you said. Um, when I pray for someone not to die, God might have an upper story purpose for that death mm-hmm. that I'm unaware of, and I need to trust him even then. Right. Well, so, so yeah. And what I mean is, I guess, it is a further relinquishing of your hold on what is right and what is wrong, or what is good and what is bad. What would be the best Trusting thing? Trusting your, would own, be the worst your thing? own understanding. Right. Trusting his understanding instead right. of your own, which I do very regularly on the small scale, and I think a lot of us do. And th- this was the the it rung the bell to wake up the wake up call to say this goes further than that, and you're not you're not looking at it the right, you're not zoomed out as as well. Mm-hmm. So this there was a an example uh, we learned about this uh, in in college. This uh, German missionary who uh, or yeah, I think he was German and he went to I think Turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, and so he goes there. And um, immediately finds out that he has cancer. This is around the fifties, mm. uh, and um, and he asks God to heal him. And he he claims that he very clearly heard God say that you're going to die here from this cancer in, in Turkey. In Turkey, and he had just got there. And in this time of him battling cancer, he uh, um, you know makes all these connections. Really has an impact on the community. Dies and is the first Christian buried in a Muslim cemetery in Turkey in like the last one thousand years. Wow! It's this huge because huge he deal. was loved and, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, what really and this uh, was actually really challenging for me at the time because I because I thought um, it was to me with because of how uh, prideful and childish I am that that man heard you're more useful to the kingdom dead than alive. Mm. That was the reality there, and all that that in all of his toil there. Wow. In like, say he was 40 and 30 years of toil there, he would not have made as much impact as if he died right there. And that that's a very human, prideful way to look at it that, oh, God couldn't even use me with all of my talents. You know, that's that's what that that's where that comes from. Well, it's like uh, lifetime earnings when somebody gets injured in an accident and you have to you have to figure out how much money would they have earned. And then give that to him. Mm-hmm. What God is saying, all the good you would have done in the rest of your years is not going to equal the good you're going to do right here dying. Right. Where the reality is, neither of that matters. It's the same as no merit and in, in riches and no merit in poverty. It's really that God's going to do what he's going to do. And he sees all the pieces. And really, maybe a random man's death, if they were sent to Turkey and died there, they wouldn't have had the impact that this man had. That he really had the ability, the personality, mm-hmm. the the empathy to do that job. Right. And he was right. the best man for the job. Yeah. And it included forfeiting his life and his wife was with him and she lost her husband and was now in Turkey without a husband. Wow. And it's, you know, so really it is, it is the complete release of your understanding of what would be the best and what would be. Now the worst. we're getting to the point. Yeah. Which is, um, a radical thing to do. That is, this requires now more faith than anything you've been asked of to this point. Exactly is okay completely let go of this and let me do whatever i want to do yeah and to me this includes a lot of base morality so if you think about um like with a lot of things that now are called into question morality wise is it really is is homosexuality really wrong 
because there's no victim. It's a it, it, or seemingly two two consenting adults. There's no victim there, when really the truth is, uh, what's right is what God tells you, and what's wrong is what He tells you is wrong. In the in the garden, there's no victim aside from the actual Adam and Eve when they ate the fruit. The sin was that they they did what God told them not to do. It doesn't matter what their understanding was. Mm-hmm. He told them they heard it. They didn't do it. That's sin. That's wrong, and that kind of uh, understanding of the system. I, I see. Yeah. Does that make sense? And then trusting that system both to inspire your obedience, right. but also to inspire your surrender. Right. To to the ultimate authority of God. Wow. And that's the same the same answer that Paul gives to the um uh when uh he says you ask about uh God says Jacob I loved, Esau I hated, that seems wrong and he mm-hmm. says the clay doesn't ask those questions to the potter. Right. Because he's the potter and it's the, the ultimate surrender. It is. And and to to accept your place as clay that, that the potter gets to do whatever he wants to mm-hmm. with it is a is a humbling space to be. Yeah. It really it, it, it removes all your hubris and that's what's so hard about it. Right. Is to surrender that um if the only one I have value to is him. Right. If he spends me in a way that wastes all the value that I think I have and all it does is give value to him, then it's still a good decision. Yeah. I found myself when you were telling me this earlier, wondering how you would handle my death. Hmm. So um, I've told you since you were a little kid, I'm immortal until God is done with me. (laughs) And one day you said, well, what if I'm not done with you? Mm -hmm. And I know that because our relationship is so strong, and I know this about my children, even the ones who sometimes get mad at me, um, that I that sometimes our, get mad at you. Yeah, that our, yeah, you are. <laughs> that our bond is really strong, mm-hmm. and that it will be, it will be as grievous to my kids as it is to me that my dad died. Mm. And uh, I found myself wanting to push you a little bit. Okay, God decides, John, that that I'm more valuable to Him in this moment to die today than to live to be ninety or a hundred. Mm-hmm. To which. You now have to say, okay, based yeah. on what you're learning today, would you be able at that point, like now, to do that? Would you be able to say, I trust God with my parents' lives? Yeah. Well, clear, obviously, um, that hasn't happened. So it's really hard. It's like saying what you would do in, you know, sure. like a go, running back into the burning building, that kind right, of thing. To, right. It's hard to know. But uh, I like to think I would. One of the things that gave me solace, because I've thought about this before. And really, I think the biggest thing will just be uh, loneliness because mm-hmm. we are this close, you know, and uh, and we're, we're of like mind to the point where we can have these conversations and you can and, and you you know well enough where I'm coming from. And and uh, and a lot of my faith is from this kind of thing. So I was thinking, you know, a lot of a lot of my confidence is from this relationship. Mm. And so I've thought about that. And uh, mostly I fear the the loneliness, but the uh, really because in the eternal sense, we think about, oh, I'll finally be in the presence of God. Right. And that is the ultimate gift. And a really, really nice little footnote to that is you're going to be around with everyone else you ever loved, too. Mm-hmm. So really, it would be the same to me. You have, the mental mind game after play is it's the same as if you uh, just, I just didn't see you again for, you know, 40 years, 50 years. Which turns out to be a vapor. Yeah. And when I'm there, it'll, yeah. it'll feel like nothing. And then you'll be there again. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that is a huge solace, um, and obviously it's going to be devastating, but I don't think, I don't imagine it rocking my faith. So now shrinking the world a little smaller, mm-hmm. it happens to Lindsay. Yeah. And so now this is your wife. This is your partner. This is your person for life. And 
somehow her death is allowed to happen. And you have this challenge now to, to still say, I take my hands off and I trust the sovereignty of my God more than I trust my understanding of what in the hell's going on here. Yeah. That one, and we've talked about this before in the, um, that I feel like I have less of a fear of, uh, death than I have a fear of pain. Mm. And, and I have a, an intense fear of, <laughs> and not physical pain. I would, necessarily. oh, I see, I, I fear, I fear pain way more than I fear death. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, I, don't, I know. Yeah, yeah. I identify with that right, completely. Right. And so, and I, I really, really fear the, the moment of crisis, the bad phone call. That's the moment that keeps me up at night for some reason. Oh, I see. And, and then having to, you know, the world keeps spinning, people keep going to work and you have to, you have to you know, put your pieces together. That that's really the, the thing I fear. And so, uh, we're now to the point where I don't rely on you as much. And so your death would be less of a, um, stability thing than it would be crushing. Right. Where my wife is, is, you know, she is, is the other half of my whole home. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, um, the income loss the, uh, just the, the support loss, all of that is way more yeah. hard to think about. Um, but the same thing, I can only hope that I would have the, uh, and with the, the aid of the spirit to, to remember this exact conversation in that time. And um, then shrink the circle even smaller. Yeah. You have a kid and now you outlive your kid. Well, that's like asking me what it's like to walk on the moon. I know there's, you don't have a kid yet. Yeah, so, yeah. but I, but I'm thinking because I do have kids and grandkids and I've watched some of my friends lose their children and it is the one thing I don't know how you recover from. Now, other people who love their parents the way I love mine uh, would say, how do you recover from that? And it's interesting that you say, I, I fear the moment, the phone call, the thing. Uh, actually, that's the harder part to remember. I have to really rack my brain to remember that. But uh, the last breath or the last uh, experience or the grieving and the transitioning to mm-hmm. a new normal, those I remember very vividly. But when I think about losing your kid, you know, these are the great challenges of our lives. And I think this is both uh, my takeaway so far from your conversation. Mm -hmm. This is both a great inspiration that he is, in fact, worthy of this level of trust. Yeah. And man, if I can arrive at that level of trust, the peace that I'm granted, the serenity, the, 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 the hope that fills my soul is awesome yeah but it's also the call to desire because here's where you started the whole conversation that to really understand that god's plan is better than yours and that's where it struck me better for who because Mm. if you're that guy's wife in turkey yeah and god's plan is better that he die now well it's not better for her yeah at all yeah but it's better altruistically it's better in the big story well and but but that's the thing it is as we've said before it is self-serving to submit to god it is better for her in the long term you know now walk me through that what do you mean well that that this is a vapor that yeah she's alone in turkey for the rest of her life until she you know or she goes home or whatever or or, yeah or she gets a new husband and maybe Mm -hmm. that they're great and then she's in the eternal presence of god with you know, whatever reward she got for her service to the kingdom, then, then that is better for her. And seeing, seeing in that moment, all the lives that were affected by her husband's death that she couldn't understand on earth, seeing in the, even in that moment, another celebration of that. And the analogy that came to mind, uh, if you ever played that game, it's like a summer camp 
game, field date game. I, I hate these games. <laughs> you know, the kind where you have an egg on a spoon. Oh, to, yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's one of those where you have a partner, and one of them is blindfolded, and the partner has to lead them to the end just of the with line. words yeah just with words and i think it's like a race and there's like some yeah. rocks in the way yeah um uh, that's basically it and and god is the guy next to you you have your blindfold on and he says um he says there's a uh, a rock in front of you i need you to to go around or there's a hole in front of you i need you to jump over it and you're like and you just simply don't believe him because you can't see anything yeah, it's like yeah. your your perception uh even i don't this is too maybe too heady to think of him in like the fourth dimension or whatever but but your perception of of the real truth of things is because you're not blindfolded you just don't see everything exactly and for all intents and purposes you might as well be because the whole spiritual realm without you know access to the spirit is 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 cut off from you you can't see any of it Mm -hmm. so really the truth of the matter is is you can't you can't see you can't see it and so when you're there and you finally can take off that blindfold and look back and be like, oh, I get it now, hopefully. Which we can do in hindsight often. Right. And there's still some things we will not understand until we get to heaven. Right. So it's the willingness to say, um, well, I trust him and I'm, I'll, I'll jump five feet forward and hope I don't break my ankle or yeah. something. You know, that's maybe a better analogy for faith than, than specifically for this kind of conversation. Right. But, right. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's do the commercial break. And then sure. I want to come back and uh, have a big takeaway and hear your thoughts on something. Sounds good. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back, and thanks for your support. Okay, John. So, uh, a buddy of mine um, named Don Dietrich he he has this uh, worksheet called Jesus is Enough, mm-hmm. and it's a deal where uh, you fill in the blank of reasoning to just build your faith and remind yourself why Jesus is enough. So I'm going to just use the first one for sure. And uh, the first one is because blank Jesus is enough. So, so you, um, you have this aha that I should trust the overarching story of God more than I trust my own understanding. And so uh, why is it that Jesus is enough for you? If you hit that place where there is a, a, an experience you have to walk through that you would not have chosen, that was not an answer to your prayer, Mm -hmm. But you have to remind yourself, Jesus is enough. So because blank, Jesus is enough. So in, in this specific uh, case where the um, what we're talking about is perspective, I would say uh, uh, because um, because I have a very limited view of reality and mm-hmm. God sees everything and he's proven that he has my best interest in mind or in, in heart, uh, Jesus is enough. In, so, in the case of perspective. So you're the widow in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And your husband's died, and now you've got to figure out your life. 
because blank for her, Jesus should be enough. Because, yeah, so because Jesus or, or Jesus sees all time mm-hmm. and, and the whole picture, all, all truth, everything that ever has happened, will happen, is happening. Uh, and because he's proven that he has her best interest in heart, hopefully she believes that in order for this to work. Mm-hmm. Jesus is enough. So I'm going to I'm going to take the side of the angry atheist. Sure. What if what if God only has his best interest at heart? What if God is saying, sorry, man, I'm going to kill him because it serves my purposes better. It isn't going to serve your purposes better, but it's going to serve my purposes better. Is there not a selfish component there? And how come you can trust Jesus, even if it's that selfish? Because that's not um, that's not the guy we're talking about. That would be that's not the God we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's like um, that's like what if what if Mr. Rogers really hated kids? <laughs> and it's like, well, you can watch two episodes of a show and know that's not the case. If that was the case, why in the world would he endure uh, the suffering, the he suffering endured. he endured with no cause, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there are examples of him outpouring his wrath, but why wouldn't he just um, flick us out of existence and start again or make a bunch of mindless drones who can who worship him without any resistance? There's there's too many questions. There's too many instances of pure selfless grace on the behalf of God who doesn't need to in any capacity, doesn't need us. Yeah. Uh, of just him entering into our sphere um, and 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 giving us grace completely unearned. And in fact, all of the times that we can claim any credit are because of him in the first place, because of the spirit. Right, so right. there's, there's, there's no, uh, if it's just a, what does he stand to gain from being selfish? You know, that yeah. It, it's yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you my big takeaways from this whole conversation. And then you can, you can tag in anything that you would want to add or, or your biggest things. What sure. I, what I've heard you say today that is hitting me is that, um, God's perspective is so much bigger than mine. He sees what I do not see. He knows what I do not know that, and he's earned and worthy of every ounce of my trust. So for all of those reasons, it is wise of me to blindly trust him. Yeah. Even when I'm confused out of my socks and I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to dip snuff or pull up my socks. I can still trust God. (laughs) Okay. So that's one. Okay. The other one is that, for me to have the kind of faith that God is inviting me to, it is this kind of faith that will truly open my hands at the risk of any loss mm-hmm. to give God complete surrender. Yeah, yeah. I would say that's that's spot on. And that is what, uh, when we talk about the the disciple, when we talk about the the all-in thing, this is really, I think, at the, at the core of it. The... Um, the forfeiture, as, as I've said, of of your claim on or on on your trust of your perception, on the trust of the self. We've talked before about how quickly the human heart changes, and, mm-hmm. and even biblically, mm-hmm. you know who can who can understand it the yeah. the deceitfulness of the human heart. Um, really, really holding on to that and trusting God over yourself, and not just as a as an accent onto your mission and your goals, but. Uh, but forfeiting your mission for his really yeah. that ultimate surrender man in all in all spheres that's good i'm going to finish my thoughts with romans chapter 8 verse 35 through 39 is what it says this who shall separate us from the love of christ hmm. shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered no 
In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, I love that. Good stuff. Well, I guess one one more thing I would say for, as a takeaway is um, uh, in my Old Testament class at Northwest, my professor said that uh, the book of Job, uh, he talks about how lamenting is a actual genre of worship, the, the, the mm. Hebrew lament. It's not a... Like it was actually, he calls it worship in a minor key is what he calls the wow. Lament. Wow. And, uh, and so, uh, the ability to, or the, the freedom to contend with God, to ask him questions. Um, and it goes contrary to Paul saying, you know, you don't get to ask those questions. And it is true that you have no, uh, you don't have a right to ask exactly, them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But, but he does tolerate that you asking them. Yeah. And that asking can become a form, an expression of worship. Exactly. And in all the questioning that Job does in his horrendous loss, um, it is never, he refuses to rebuke God and God never rebukes him for asking <clears throat> or he, he rebukes him for the arrogance, but he never called it's never unrighteousness. And God says in all these things, Job did not sin. Exactly. So, so the questioning and the frustration is not the sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also held God holy above all things. He refused to ever, ever tread on his name. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you can obviously, I'm not going to tell a grieving parent that they're not allowed to, to, be confused or, or frustrated. Well, with and God. Job shook his fist at the sky and said, come down here and explain yourself. Exactly. I want an audience with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just want to, you have a lot of freedom. It's not that you're not allowed to do these things, sure. but, but I think, you know, Job had an ultimate understanding of who was, who was the boss and who was the Holy one, even through his huge loss. Mm. Man. And that's why he was confused because he held God as holy and all these things happened. And then he is, he is answered and, in tremendous fashion, dramatic fashion. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, uh, this kind of strikes me as a weighty, uh, somber episode. And yet the hope that is wrapped in there is life transforming. Yeah. To be able to rest, this enables you to have that level of trust, enables you to absolutely rest through the bumps and grinds of daily life. Because you know, you can just rest in the, the sufficiency of God and the wisdom of God and so you really can let go. Yeah. And I hope this is um, life-giving. I know you, you don't need us to <laughs> to take you down a peg in uh, in these couple of couple of weeks, but mm-hmm. uh uh but yeah, it is really a uh, an optimistic thing that the in the literal worst-case scenario, when you think of what's the worst thing that could happen. Right. In that scenario, uh God is good through it all and he's looking out for you through it all and and at the end of the day it'll you may even you know, you will understand maybe at the end of the day. Yeah, you might you might never be grateful that it right, happened. Right. I was I saw myself yeah. short of that, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, John, thanks for kind of facilitating this of conversation. Course. And I hope yeah, I hope it uh it was it was meaningful and, and at least semi easy to follow. But, <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah. Thank awesome. you for for having it with me. Yeah. Well, uh thanks for listening. As always, uh send us uh feedback, uh topic episode suggestions. Uh, anything at all, we'd love to hear from you, and we will respond to every uh, every reach out. So info at jimandjohn.com, no H in the John. Follow us on Instagram. Tell a friend. Subscribe. Read our blog. Love to have you be a part of it with us. Thank you, guys. See you next week.